How y'all doing this morning? Well, I told him I'm from Tennessee, so I'm going to preach on hell, bless God. Uh, well, that, and I thought we could just like set these aflame and do some cool, and I thought probably not be a good idea, so we won't do that. Hey, it is good to be here. I always love to come down here and see what's going on down here. And you know, the amazing thing is God is at work. Um, I didn't tell them what I was going to speak on this morning, and I wasn't sure prayed about a lot of things. It kept going, the same theme was in the things I wanted to share, but I landed on a, a passage of scripture. Uh, we're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving. Y'all ready for that? And then uh, Friendsgiving and whatever kind of giving you want to go, that's, that's a good thing. But, uh, and, but there's a lot of people that uh, we think about being thankful right now in your life. You're just like, well, what do I have to be thankful for? Because my life is falling apart. And so, uh, and we're all going through struggles in our life, uh, trying to figure out what we're trying to do, where we're coming from, where we're going. And so, uh, of all things, in the middle of this, and I think, now, Lord, I, you know, when you're trying to ask God what he wants you to say or do, it's like you want to make sure that you're just saying what he says. And to me, honestly, when the Lord laid this, and all he kept saying was struggles and trials and hurtings. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this is Thanksgiving. And he said, just trust me. And I'm like, okay, so I'll try to always do that. And, uh, but I think uh, we, we, we have to learn to be thankful even in the hardest situations. Um, you know, it's very hard, easy for me to grow up and things were not great. So it's easy to look at all the negative and, and all that. So hopefully maybe this sermon today uh, will, will encourage you. I'm, I'm going to be speaking today from James chapter 1. And <clears throat> so, I, w- I mean, I really, really, I'm going to just sit here and read the book to you today. And it's all, no, I'm kidding. But, but sometimes we just need to look at the word. And I'm I'm going to try to get through the word so I can share what I have to say. In James chapter 1, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it out joy when you fall into various trials. Very important. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without a reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let uh, not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. He's unstable in all of his ways. Verse 9. Let the lowly brother glory, and I love this part too, let the lowly brother glory in exaltation, but the rich in humiliation. Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no longer has the sun risen with a burning heat, then it withers uh, the grass. It flowers, it, it, its flowers fall, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich also will fade away in his pursuits. And it goes, talks about the blessed is the man who enters into temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say he's tempted when he's tempted, say, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted to evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. And he talks about, don't be deceived, all the perfect gifts come from God. Now, we'll skip to verse 19. So then, my beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Well, I wish it did, because I get ticked off at a lot of people. I'd be a righteous person, amen? Do y'all ever get mad at people? Don't lie, liars go to hell. Anybody get mad at people? Raise your hand, I want to see it. How many of you mad at somebody right now? Y'all know you do. You walk, before you walked in here this morning, you wanted to slap your husband so hard. 
Mm. How many wanted to beat your children at least once this morning? Don't lie. Okay, there we go. See, we just get mad. And we're, every day we're faced with every kind of trial that we could ever possibly imagine. When you guys were doing the worship, I was just weeping because I thought, Lord, this is perfect for what I'm sharing this morning. They didn't know that. But we all go through struggles. We go through hard times. We have trials. But, you know, is he worthy? Yes, he's worthy. Amen? He is worthy. So uh, James chapter 1, we look at that. And, and also at verses 19 20. Really, the whole book of James, you need to go back and read it. But I want to say this, trials come to good people and bad people. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not as holy as the rest of you. But I often think, uh, it's easy to think, you know, uh, you know why, why, do, why do good things happen to bad people, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, but I really get ticked off when good things happen to bad people. I say, Lord, I'm doing the best I can. And you're blessing those people over there, and they're stupid. <laughs> Anybody, can I hear an Amen. And you're like, I'm doing all I am, sacrifice for you, Jesus. And look over there. They're idiots. And it's just like, they're just lavishing in it. And the Lord says, hold on. I'm working for something way bigger than what you can see with your own eyes. So trials come to good and bad people. And I hate to tell you this, you're not going to escape it. You're not going to escape it, right? And, I, I, you know, trials are purposeful. They're not random. God actually has it planned for you to suffer. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't you love that? And, 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 and I want to tell you something. Some, some, sometimes we just don't think of that, right? Uh, trials are not to show the anger of God. I wrote some of these things down. But the glory, uh, his glory in all of our weaknesses when we don't have it all together. Trials are unavoidable. Sorry, if everything's good today, it won't be tomorrow. Amen? Amen? Amen. Or next week or next month, something's going to happen. It, you know why? Because we live in a sinful world. And sometimes, you know, we can blame God with it all. But you understand that beginning of time, you know, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and then, you know, they got tempted, they fell into temptation, and we have that Adamic sin in us. I just about said a bad word. I didn't. The Adamic sin. Get that Adamic sin, all right? We get, we're, we carry that sin in us, and it's in all, every single one of us. And also, sometimes we suffer because of other people's sin, you know, because of the choices that they make, we still suffer. Because in this world, there are going to be troubles. Uh, if it weren't so, you know, Jesus wouldn't have to come down here. And because we are messed up people and we make a lot of mistakes and we have trials and struggles and all this stuff, Jesus says, but I made a way. And uh, I'm gonna, I read this story about a woman who had this trial and her husband was going blind, okay? And uh, she had just had a stroke. And the pastor said, well, I'm praying for you. And she said, what uh, specifically are you praying for me? Uh, what, what are you asking God to do? Uh, and then it goes on to say, well, you know, I'm praying for your healing. The pastor said, well, I'm praying for your healing, for you, your, your husband, and all this. Uh, and then she said, well, that's good and all, but please pray that I won't waste all this uh, suffering for what God might have. Don't let me waste the suffering. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of whiny, whiny people that waste the suffering. All right. I don't know if you've ever heard. Uh, I was I was up in West Virginia doing a uh, what was it was a, a youth big youth camp, and there was hundreds of kids there, all kinds of ankle biters, and we had what was called a vesper service out in these rocks. We were doing and and did this worship service, and everything was going good. This guy started sharing the story about his little kid. 
And he said, you know, I had kids in the back seat of the car. We're driving down the road. He said, we come away from this event and my wife's like kind of dozing off in the passenger seat. My kid is in his little seat in the back, you know, strapped in and everything. And he, and he, and he, he's, he's out, you know, everybody's real quiet. And he's singing this song. And he said, I really wasn't paying attention to what he was singing. And then all of a sudden he says, hey, daddy, what's a weak butt? And he goes, well, I, I said, I got my attention because I said, we don't say that word in our house like that. I thought, well, he's young. Where'd he get? So he said inquisitively, I said, honey, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, well, you know, like the song says. And he said, he said, well, what song? And he began to sing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but Dad, what's a weak, but? And, it, and it's... <laughs> And he said this, he said, well, the reality is that's all we all are sometimes. And when we start looking at our circumstances, our situations, and our suffering, we become whiny. And we don't look at the suffering and say, okay, and do you realize that God, listen, I want to say this to you, because I understand this. I'm, I'm learning to understand this. That God Almighty doesn't just choose anybody at specific times for sufferings. He, he's chosen that for a purpose and for a reason in your life. But instead, we look at the trial, the struggle, the issue, the situation, the divorce, the money, the this, the that, the trial, and we look at it and we start attacking it in the flesh and try to figure it all out. And God says, that's all good, but don't miss what I'm trying to teach you. And that's what the woman says, you know, don't let me, don't let me miss what the teaching is in the suffering. And I have to ask God that often. The pessimistic view, it sounds like, is that nothing comes from all this. But we see in verse 2, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials or temptations, right? Isn't that right? Now, that word, when it falls into, literally means like a thief overcoming you. In other words, let's face it. If we knew the trial was coming, we got all prepped up for it, wouldn't we? We're like, okay, look, this is going to happen. My husband's going to divorce me, so what I'll do is I'll go put a nest egg over here. Me and my kids will be fine. I'll go ahead and move all the money into my account and close his out. I'm not kidding. But, you know, you, 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 you would prepare for that, whatever. But you don't know what's going to happen. Boom, it hits you, and you're like, what do I do? I mean, that's the first panic, isn't it? I mean, you always said not just, I mean, anything in our life. If I knew that COVID was going to hit, I'd had a lot of groceries. I had a lot of toilet paper. I'd have done a lot of things. But we didn't know. You know, it's like we didn't know. What, right? The trial comes in. You know, that's all about God. God loves to do that. He's like, wham, let me just let that happen. And some of us don't think that. I'm not saying that God's out there beating everybody up. But I am saying that God allows it to happen. Sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but in the middle of this, uh, these trials and struggles and stuff, but that word says it falls into, it's unexpected, like a thief overcoming you. I mean, it's like if you knew the thief was coming, and some of you are prepared for that because you've got guns on you. You're ready for that. I don't carry one. So I'm like, wah! I mean, I'm ready for that. You know, it's like, don't mess with me. <laughs> wax on, wax off, you know. I'll get it. So I, I'll run. I'm, I'm, I pray out, run them. But anyway, I, I, but you know, some of you are ready for that, right? Well, you think you're ready. Then you don't have time to pull the gun out because they already got it on you. I mean, if it comes and you fall into it, it's always going to come as a surprise. So, you know, and I hate to tell you this, but God allows that to happen. And you say, well, you know, and then, oh, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? You know, why would God allow people to suffer? Why? We got to understand that at the beginning of time, that spiral started and sin broke out in the world. And we're just going to have to deal with the bad things in life. It's going to happen and you're not going to be able to avoid it. All right. We fall. It's not expected. Our humanness, though, at that moment is to be shocked or surprised. <gasps> and it's like, why do we do that? I mean, God's never shocked. 
You know, nothing ever shocks God off the throne. He's not like, what? Let me, let me figure that out. You know, understand that if God allows that struggle, that suffering, that trial, he already has the answer. And he's trying to get you to get on his page. The whole time, that's all his struggle and trial is about. Let me get you on my page. That's all God. Let me get you to be in my will. That's what God wants from you. Um, they're, they're intentional. They're purposeful. Uh, in other words, God meant to do that. God meant that to happen in your life. And some of you say, I've been in a place before. I, I, I had a friend of mine, you know, he's uh, into, his, his theology is a little off, to be honest with you, my opinion, because he thinks that God never allows those things to happen. It's just, it's the enemy. It's, and it is. Let me hear you. Have you ever been in a situation where you say, God, is this of the devil or you? Anybody been there before? I've, I've got the answer. You ready for that? Both. You say, what do you mean? Do you remember when Job all hopped up there and, and, uh, and uh, you see that picture in the Bible and everything? Do you know that Satan entered the courts of God, right? Y'all know that, right? It's pretty cool. But do you know who brought up, brought up uh, Job's name? It wasn't the devil. Can I go get him, God? God says, have you considered my servant Job? Remember saying that? Have you ever been days where you wish God would forget your name? <laughs> hey, hey, God, go pick on Scott. <laughs> I pray that sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, that's why you got flu this week. <laughs> Sick them, God. I'm kidding. But, I mean, no, but, have you, I, I mean, I wish it would just be like, you know, I don't need, some of you are too young for this, but the, at, when I was growing up, the TV would be on, and then around midnight, they'd do the national anthem, and then hear you, and then it said this station, and they go, beep, you remember that? And also the emergency broadcast system, ladies and gentlemen, and you still hear this sometimes on the radio, and then you hear, and this tone comes in like your ears are bleeding, it goes, beep, and it just goes in, and then at the end of it goes, this was only a test, a test of emergency broadcasting. Has this been original a real, uh, a real test, a real test? You'd have been notified by blah, 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 right? Don't you wish that they had that spiritual thing, that all of a sudden it was happening, and God just goes, beep, and your head or red light starts flickering on your head, and you know, oh, this is the test that's coming. We're never prepped for that. God doesn't do that. He just says, okay, this is life. These things are going to happen, and I want you to be utterly, completely, and totally dependent upon me, on me. Not anything you can do. And I tell you, at the end of yourself is the beginning of God. When you can't fix you, when you can't change. Anybody here a fixer? Man, I fix it, man. I, am. I like to fix people. Do y'all like to fix people? Yeah, man, I'll straighten them up, brother. Don't you think I can't? I'll take a, a kid and I'll straighten, oh, I will straighten him up by the righteous right hand of God sometimes. You know, I'm like in their business, telling them, and then, you know, and then, then they, it just, they, they don't change. Nothing ever changes sometimes. You know, they go right back to the... And because, you know what I found out? You can't fix people. The best thing I can do is slap Neosporin on a wound, slap a Band-Aid on it, and hope it sticks. And hopefully it'll heal. I look around, the Band-Aids are flapping off. It doesn't even work. Their lives are falling right back apart again sometimes. Sometimes they get... You know when they get it? It's not what I'm doing. It's what God's doing to heal that situation. And if I get out of the way and let God, amazing things will happen. But sometimes we... I mean, it's in my nature to try to kind of fix things. And God gets me in so many situations that I find he will let me exhaust myself and to the point where he finally can do something. So I want you to write this down. Trials come to all people. Write that down. 
Trials are going to come to you. They come to all of us. I'm sorry you're not exempt, okay? You're going to, it's going to be that unexpected falling into temptation. In other words, the enemy is coming behind you. You talked about resist the enemy who will flee from you. There's principalities beyond what we could ever see. Take up the armor of God and be ready and, and ready to go forward in armor and, and be ready to fight him because he is going to get you and he's going to find the weakness in your life. He's going to attack it, whether it's your children, your business, your pocketbooks, your church, whatever is most precious to you, the enemy is out to destroy you. Do you understand that? But let me tell you something. God allows him in that situation. You know what? It's, it's like this. God reminds me, say, if he thinks about Job, what he really knew is he knew his servant Job would not give up. Can God trust you with that trial? And sometimes I think God says to Satan, go ahead. I know what Billy's made of. And instead of me being ticked off at that, we should be honored. In the United States of America, we have wimpy Christians. We just have wimpy people. I'm just telling you that. Everybody's looking for a reason. Oh, I'm the way in because you did this to me. Shut up. Just shut up. I am so rude. I probably do. They edit things here. I don't know. But anyway, listen. Yeah, I was up north one time and said, shut up. And I, I was, went back home to stay with this family, like, you know, Bennett. <laughs> Billy said the S word. I'm like, what? I mean, you know, it's one of those kids. I, was, I did not say, I was thinking, I'm panicking about something else. And he's like, you said shut up. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sweating it out right. I said shut up. And, and they, that's rude. And I thought, honey, if I have to say shut up, you've already been rude. And I just want to tell you that. <laughs> Am I right? Touche. We, like, oh, we don't say that word in our house. And I said, that's what's wrong with your kids. <laughs> Shut up and sit down. Don't you move or I'll kill you in Jesus' name. All right. <laughs> I'm not that mean. Well, all right. So listen, we fall into temptations. Trials are going to come to everybody. They are intentional. They're purposeful. That's God's way. It's going to happen. And, uh, and it's from both. In other words, God, God is, is testing us. But Satan is tempting us. And through the temptation, God's testing our faith. So it's really both. Don't feel that it's, you know, God allows it. And like I said, my friend's like, I just don't believe God does that to people. And I'm like, do you read the Bible? Or, or I, maybe you're special. God lays me out constantly. Allows <laughs> me to go through trial. After I'm like, when, and, but I've learned some things. And I'm going to give you something that will help you out with that. But number, number one, trials come to all. Number two, trials change us all. They change us. Trial, how do I know that? Let's look. We looked at verse two. We saw we fall into temptations. What's verse three say? What's it say here? He says, knowing that these testing of your faith producing, what? That the testing of your faith produces patience, and, but let the patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Whoa, that's loaded. Trials are meant to change us. All right, they're tools that God uses in our lives. We don't like it. You know, I know that little Bennett was yesterday. Y'all may not know this, but he went up to Asheville and, and he went to a blacksmith's place. Well, and you see those pictures. They were sending us pictures. They were putting that thing in the fire. It was red hot. And he was taking a hammer and then a blacksmith was there. He was going back and forth on this thing. And I thought, I'm, this is going to be, and they were taking different pictures. I thought, this is going to be a hot mess when he brings it home. And I was pretty impressed. I'm not going to lie to you. They had taken a horseshoe and made like, Three knives out of it. I, I was amazing. I don't know where those knives were. I slipped my door locked. If you know Bennett, you... Anyway. <laughs> just, I'm just saying. I said, we put them in a nice case, lock them up. You know, you can show it by the case. You don't need them out. All right. But he, he's funny. That's Cracker Jack right there, I tell you. 
So, try, the, but they're tools, and you make that tool, and God's sharpening and changing and trying to fix you and mold you. And you know, it doesn't feel good to be put in the fire. It doesn't feel good. To, I'm sure that if, if the metal could speak, it says, oh, I like this. Just do that to me one more time. You know, it's saying, do that to me one more time. You know, just do it. I mean, I'm sure you're sitting there. Oh, go ahead and hit me. I'm a martyr. It's okay. No, I mean, we don't like that. Nobody likes that. And but you've got to be beaten into the shape that God wants you to be. Some of you just like to be an old horseshoe and stay that way. Some of y'all, can I tell you something? This church will never grow if you just want to keep being a horseshoe. Isn't it amazing if God wanted to take that horseshoe and turn it into three knives that could be used somewhere else? That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah, so shut up and get over it. All right, so <laughs> trials change us all, okay? And they're made for our glory. They're tools. Tools, what, for endurance and patience? And, and look, uh, we, to remain or to stay, tools are for testing. You know, what are we made out of? And well, you never know what you're made out of. You know, my dad used to say, tough it up. You ever heard that? Well, uh, an athlete doesn't toughen up if he doesn't go out there and practice and run and do all these things. He goes through struggle, fall many times, get right back up again, break their ankles, whatever it happens to be. That's why I didn't play sports. Anyway, let's move on. But uh, tools are for strengthening our faith. A in what areas? Okay, in, in, in our relationship with God right? He wants to strengthen that. You know, he wants also to strengthen it in our relationship with others. Those are tools. And so the trials, I don't know if you guys are like me, when, when our, our family went through so much as kids, you know, many of you know, wasn't raised in a Christian home, shared that last time I was here, abusive situation. I have a brother, I, and, and it's so crazy because I prayed for my mom, uh, you know, because the woman, has, she's kind of wild. I prayed for my dad, who was an alcoholic. Prayed for my brother, who was a drug addict. You know, I, those three people I prayed, I prayed for ever since I was a little baby kid. Ever since I even knew how to pray that God would change them. And God, I'd ask, why did you put me in this situation? You know what the Lord told me? Because I trust you. I trusted you to show them Jesus, and you screwed it up. Because all you want to do is whine and complain about being there. They never saw Jesus in you one time, because all you did was sit and complain, and you were so angry that you never looked around and thought, I trusted you in that trial to show Jesus. And some of y'all you do is whine and complain and God can't even use you because all you complained about is being there. So I had to change my attitude. I was an ambassador of God and he trusted me. This is huge. And then I had to change my ways because guess what? That trial's not about me. It was about God strengthening my relationship with him because I had to depend on him. And then God taught me how to, how to strengthen my relationship with my brothers and my sisters and people and, and, and learn to love on people, you know, and, and forgive. And it just grows all that. So it builds our relationships, tools in our relationships with God, with other people, in our dealings, in our businesses. Some, I mean, we've got to learn, if we, if we go through a trial, like I can tell you as a ministry, we've been around, uh, I've been in ministry since 1989. How many years? Oh my gosh, that's a long time. Okay, so that's a long time. And then we became a nonprofit in 1994. Okay, and all those years, I can't tell you, there have been times, uh, even now, we get to financial situations where I'm like, God, I've got these uh, employees that are dependent upon me. We're not like a church. We can come here and say, oh, our needs are this week, and let's, uh, we're low on our budget, so let's take up an extra offering. You know, Know, we people come in, or I go out and speak, and we're, our, we're dependent, we're missionaries. And so it's sometimes I'm on my face, God saying, God, my people have worked so hard. All I want you to do is take care of them. And I'm praying at the 11th hour, and that every need will be met. And I'm on my face before God, and I'm asking, will you please just let the financial things just let it go? And the Lord said, well, let me teach you something. 
You know, do you trust? And sometimes we'll sit there and say, well, maybe we do another spaghetti dinner. We need to do something to do a fundraiser. And God will stop me and he says, do you think that spaghetti dinner is providing for you? That fundraiser, or am I? And so sometimes I look at my stuff and say, we're overworked. We're not doing a spaghetti dinner. Get on your face. We're going to believe for God to bring something. And it's an amazing thing. The other day, we were sitting there. I'll never forget. This was just this past week. And, I was, and, and Nana, who's my minister, she said, Billy, we got to pray. We really got to pray. And I said, oh, where's this going to come from? I have no idea. And we needed a specific amount of money that day. This is no lie. We had staff meeting. We're sitting there praying. And she'd give me these numbers that I was about to throw up. And I said, God, you know what we need. You didn't bring us this far. And, and I said, and they were like, can we do another spaghetti dinner? And I was like, we're not doing anything else. I am not doing, I'm tired. And I said, let's just pray. And I said, God, we love you. And my people love you. We see hundreds, if not thousands of people come to know you. Just take care of my employees, and I love you. And she opened up that next check. She opened up a mail. She was sitting there. She said, all right, mail. She didn't open it. She pulled out a check, and she said, God's good. And that's what happens. We pray that way. So even in my business dealings, the Lord allows me to go through that trials because I have to learn that he is God and that I don't have to fix it. And if you brought people here to serve you, they're going to take care of God opens the door for you to start ministries. I know when I was here last time, you were going to start this children's uh, after school stuff. We did the same thing with the theater thing. We started theater classes after school. We thought, that is this going to fly? Is it not? It's going, to, it's going to help pay for the salary for the kid that we're going to bring on. And I was like nervous. You know, but God said he was so about it. But, but God, listen, wasn't about it. God lets you see it out here. He lets you know where you are. He lets you see where you need to be. And I'm between between goes, okay. Step out. And I'm like, God, there's nothing here. How do we know? And he goes, do you trust me? And so I say, okay. He said, and you know what I have to look at? I have to look at God's track record. And so when he's been faithful and he trusts you and he opens up another door, sometimes you just have to step out in faith. And say, God, this, I've got to walk in faith believing for something great to happen. And, and, and that's, it's in those moments where I have to trust him, where it's both bigger, bigger than me, whether it's in business or personal things. And the trial comes that I just step in and take that leap of faith. And God says, and I think, God, what if we fail? He said, the worst place you're going to fall is in my arms. You tried and you stepped out on faith to follow me. He said, it might look different and we may have to change weight, but you know, at least you're doing something besides sitting on your blessed assurance, doing nothing like half of the body of Christ. You know, we'll sit and talk about where people are fake, but we don't take it. And it seems that those trials will come. We just have to step out and do that. And when we do, we're blessed, all right? So tools, not just that. And there's a tool to complete us. He wants to complete us. What do he say? He says he wants to complete and that we'd lack and we become perfect. Now, perfect doesn't mean, that word means whole or complete. We're not going to be perfect till we see Jesus. Amen? But he's perfecting us. He's working at sanctification and working our lives. And I don't know about you, but his light of holiness in your life, he begins to show you things that you need to change. And you know, the times that he shows me that, and the hardest times in my life. Look at me, I'll be honest with you. God has blessed me, and I've been on the mountaintop of some things in my life, and God's given me opportunities beyond the opportunities that would blow your socks off. And I have been blessed. Things I never asked for, and he'll put you in situations. And that's a good, good thing. But there's also been times in my life that I knew that God was trying to work. My life. I said, Lord, you know, you know, I'll step out in faith and do this thing. And, and it, it makes no sense at all. And, and I know that he's trying to complete something in me. My, my, my life verse is Philippians 1.6. That he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in, in the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, what God has started, he will finish. Now, if I start it, not good. It might look awful. 
It doesn't always get completed the way that God wanted it to be because it's something I created. But you know, if, if, I've, if I've moved in the power and the spirit of God and what God has asked me to do, God's opened the door. Sometimes I have to take that leap of faith. You know, he who began to good work in me will be faithful to complete to the day of Jesus Christ. We, we often get off track though, don't we? Don't we? All right, tools to complete us the way that God designed it to be. Not the way that you, listen, that completeness is the way God designed it. Not the way you thought you should turn out. You know, I thought, you know, if God would get me out of my situation as I was growing up, put me in a good Christian home, maybe if I got placed somewhere, everything would be good. And, everything. and God says, look, you can do that. But Billy, that's not my way. You're going to have to go through this struggle. You're going to have to go through this trial because I'm trying to perfect in you what I want you to be. I'm trying to complete something. It's like a sentence that's not finished. And, and I'm trying to get you finished. And so we can move on to other things. And you know what? Until we work on this and get this completed, I can't give you these things over here. We've got to get you up to this point. You've got to trust me in the struggle. You've got to trust me in this trial. What God has started, he will finish. We say um, that we um, lay down our lives at the cross, don't we? Lord Jesus, I, I give you this. The problem is we go to the Lord. If y'all like me sometimes, and we feel like it's that God, God, God will say, I want you to give me this. I'll come and I'll say, Lord, here, and I'll give it to him. And then as soon as it starts to got, not work out the way that I think, not what God's doing, the way that I think it should, I'm like, well, I need to help you because you're not doing it right. And then I'll pull it back and I'll try to make it, and it will fail every time. You know, we go to, the God, to God like this oftentimes when we offer offering, right? You know what God wants us to do is this. You can't pick it back up again. We just need to turn it over and not try to hold it to him and place it this way. But if we turn our hands upside down and let it go, that means I'm, not, I'm done. And there's times in my life I'm going through time and I look at God and I say, I am so frustrated. You need to know something. I am done. And he goes, finally, I can do something. I'm like that because I want to get my hands up in there and make it work. And God, God has other ways that he wants to do it. All right, we pick uh, things right back up again. We don't need to do that. The big picture, uh, God's purpose is not for our happiness. And I think some of us say, well, I'm just not happy right now in this struggle. Well, who is? Really? Oh, I like that. Let's do some more. I mean, I, that's crazy. You're not going to be happy in that. God didn't, listen, and I hate telling you this. You know, God's not interested in you being happy. Boy, we're in a world where, oh, well, it's all about me and, and it's what I choose to be, what I identify as or whatever that mess is. Oh, Lord, God help us. Anyway, there's a girl at home and identifies as a bunny in her class. And every kid has to treat her like a bunny. That's stupid. There's, and you know what I say? There's a litter box. Go use it. You're glad I'm not the teacher, right? You can't go to the bathroom. You're going to go over there. You're a bunny, honey. Go over there. Go ahead. Go ahead. We're watching. I mean, I, whatever. You know, that's this stuff is crazy. We're enabling people to fail and not see God's purpose for their life. You know, and I don't always like what God's doing in my life. I'll be honest with you. I don't like it. But I like it when it's over. And I like it when God's done a God-sized thing. I've told Scott many times, God always puts these God-sized tasks in front of me that I can take no glory or credit for at all. So when it happens, I have to say, this is all about Jesus. And I had nothing to do with it because there's no way I could complete that. 
God wants to do God-sized things in your life that you can't do, that you can't figure out, that you can't plan, that you can't pay for, that you can't. God wants to do these God-sized things in your life that you absolutely, when you stand back and say, this was all God, this was an amazing thing that God trusted me with. And so don't screw that up when he does that. He trusts you with a lot of things. First Peter chapter 4, I want to read this to you real quick. Aren't you glad? I'm going real fast today. I'm about done. All right, chapter 4. And look what it says in verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials. This is 1 Peter 4, 12. Uh, considering the fiery trials which is to try you as though something strange uh, thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you participate or partake of Christ's suffering. That when his glory was revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. What did he say at the beginning of that? What did he say at the beginning when we look over at the other passage of Scripture? He says, what, count it all joy. God wants to bring the joy in your life. Is there joy, uh, is there joy in the suffering? M most of the time, no. And if somebody, I'll just be joyful. You're like, really? I just want to hit you. No, there's no way. I can be happy right now. Just be happy. Really? I just lost my brother to COVID. I just lost my dad. I talked about my, 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 my dad and all those people that I prayed for. Remember those three people I tell you I prayed for the most? Prayed for my, my dad, what, 16 years for my mom, 27 years for my dad, uh, and, and probably the same for my brother, probably 30 years for my brother to know Jesus. Begged them, pray, get, try to get them to church, be a witness to them, and then they'd just treat you like dirt, talk about you, put you down, make fun of you because you're a Christian. You went through so much stuff and thought, why did you put me here? And kept trying to show, and then I turned around and said, okay, God, let me show them Jesus. Kept praying, 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 praying. You know, they're all dead. They're all gone. And they know more about Jesus than I do. And I'm still stuck looking at y'all. That's crazy, isn't it? Do you understand they know who Jesus is more than I do right now? It kind of ticks me off. But you know what God said? But what if you had not endured that suffering? And let me tell you something. I count it all joy knowing that my daddy and my mama and brother are in heaven. I will count it all joy. Take me through the trial. People have always asked me, would you change anything as a kid? Any beating or anything, any abuse, anything, you know, would you change anything? Boy, when I was a kid in it, I'd say, bless God, yeah. Change it all. Let's switch it all up. Get me out of here. Just let me escape this. Wimpy Christians in America. The persecuted church in other countries will say, dear God, they don't ever say, oh, take this struggle from me. Lord, I can't handle it anymore. You know what they say? God, give me grace to endure this that the world may see the glory of Jesus. That's amazing, isn't it? Why can't we start praying, God, may this suffering bring glory to Jesus, my Savior. The most uh, poignant time, and I'll share that at the end. I want to share something about my mom at the end, okay? And I'll be done. First Peter chapter 4 says that don't be surprised, don't be shocked at this trial. He says that same thing, you see that same picture that we see in James, you see in Peter. And uh, if God, I, I, I found this quote, uh, and I just want to say your struggle is just not about you, but it says this, if God asks us to suffer significantly, then he has something significant he wants to do through me. I don't even know who said it, but I liked it. Right? So if God asks me to suffer significantly, then he wants to do something significant through me. Wow, to know 
that your name was called on. And God says, this one's mine. Satan, go ahead, because I know what they're made of. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? So trials, they come to all of us. Trials change all of us. And the last one is trials challenge us, don't they? James chapter 5. Uh, chapter 1 and verse uh, 5, it says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives it all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave, a sea driven and tossed by the wind. I look at that. You know, one thing, one thing I've asked for in my life, one the, and, 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 and I want to say this to you. If you're just an average, if you, like me, just I'm an average Christian, right? You know that there's two things that you need to pray for in your life that will change you. You ask for wisdom, and you ask for discernment. In other words, Lord, you know what wisdom is? A lot of people, oh, it's just being smart and no, no. Your knowledge is growing and knowing something, right? You grow in it. Knowledge is the science of it. You understand it. You, you have a knowledge of it, right? That's a good thing, all right? But wisdom is taking all that and then putting it into action, all right? Not just knowing it, but living it. So what I've prayed for all my life as a young Christian, God, give me wisdom and give me discernment. So oftentimes, and, and Denise has been in the car, we'll be driving down the road or something, and I'll be, uh, we'll head to an event, and I'll talk about, and I'll vent, something will happen, and I've got to handle a situation. I'm like, I just want blah, blah, blah. And then by the time I've gotten to the ride, I, all that has changed from my emotions and my feelings of the struggle and trial to, okay, what does God want? And what's God trying to teach me? And then all of a sudden, how many start, I mean, somebody's done something, you're on that tech, you're like, I mean, you're just getting it done on there. You're getting, getting ready to post it on social media. I mean, you're ready to air your dirty laundry without names. Hallelujah. Like they don't know who you're talking about, right? But you got it all written down there. You're ready to go, right? And then you're ready to push sin, and God says, now, you want to go back and read that? Some of you don't go back and read it. Not smart. you just digging it and stirring it and stirring it and stirring it. You need to go back and read it. I'll often write it. Then I'll go, okay, all that's out of me. That's my feelings. That's my emotions. I hate you. I'm mad at you. I wish God would kill you. <laughs> it's like, you say, I'm not as holy as the rest of you. I used to pray that for my dad as a Christian. I didn't want the world to know because you're supposed to love everybody, right? But I lived a lie. When you go through abuse and you sit here, I'm, I love my dad. I just hate his ways. And God never changed anything in my family until I started praying, God, I'm going to be honest with you. I hate him. You know what I would dream? Being at his funeral and trying to figure out how I was going to be able to cry. Because I just wanted it over. Bitter. Anger. And then, then, uh, then God changed me. But God, what are you teaching me in this? And then he broke me. And let my see, see my, my dad is a man who needed Jesus. And that God says, you're all I've got to show him the way. And boy, are you botching it. I had to change me. See, the trial wasn't about my dad. trial was about me. God knew that was in my heart. And he had to purge that mess. So I'll write that stuff. I'll say all those things. And then I go back through it. And God, give me wisdom. And give me discernment. And sometimes it's... That letter where I'm like, you, I wish you, it turns into, would you please forgive me if I've hurt you in any way? And that is a God thing, because I don't want to say it. But when you say it, amazing things happen in that struggle or that trial. It can flip that boat around, all right? So if God asks us to suffer significantly, it's because he has something significant for us. I love Job 13, 15, and I love this picture. 
And I have had, I have lived by this. This past year has been an, an incredible journey with God in our ministry. I'd ask, and don't pray for this uh, in a ministry. I pray for God to clean house in our, in our, at our theater and in our ministry. And we went from a, a massive amount of people that were volunteers and stuff to a handful of people. And even board members, uh, uh, people that worked, my employees, there was a mass exodus. And even the ones that were so close to me, and they were, I said, God, what are you doing? He said, you prayed. I'm, well, I didn't expect that. You're supposed to do it my way. I thought people just straighten up. And you know what? I didn't understand all the sin that was there until people left. Then all of a sudden, when the schoolmaster was in place to make sure they were living right and doing right, as soon as they stepped away, they just, the sin just surfaced, and the things that they were involved in was ugly. And God says, so do you want that back? You know what I found out this past year? God has other attributes than mercy and grace that all the churches are talking about. Amen. God also has judgment. We serve a holy God, and he will clean house. And you know what came emerged out of that? An incredible group of people that want God's will more than anything else. And we've seen more people come to know Christ, and we've seen just the move of God in a, in a powerful way that we have never experienced. But God will clean house. And when you ask God to do that, God, give me wisdom and discernment. Those are hard things that we have to ask. And so I've had to pray this prayer that we see in Job 13, 15. Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. I will worship. Why? Because he is worthy. He's worthy. This ain't about me. That's not good English, but you get it. My sufferings and my struggles and my trials all my life have never been about me. It's that the God of this universe trusted me because he wanted to make change. So change is hard. My sister hates it. And, and he hates it. She hates it. She's like, do we have to? I said, Donna, we just moved uh, the programs from this side to this side. I wish it, it tears me up, Billy. I'm like, get over it. And then I'll just go mess it all up for her. You know, I just like, <laughs> I, and just, to, and she's like, <laughs> we laugh a lot. She hates change. But I'll tell you this. I have never grown when everything's the same. And that's what's wrong with churches. It's called maintenance ministry. We just do the same old thing, the same old thing, the same old thing. We maintain and we maintain. It never happens. I don't want that kind of ministry. I've never had that kind of ministry. And you know, God recreates me about every eight years or so. And every 18 to 20 years, there's a massive like chapter change. You know, I never had a theater. I was a Christian music artist. I lived in a tour buses and bands and smelly feet and shoo, thousands of people. I never even knew who they were. Faces and, you know, it was a lot of stuff. For 20-some years. And still, I do a little bit of that, but it's like, and then he brought me to do this theater thing, and, then, and then now, now he's had a change in my life. Now I'm in demand. Please come and speak. And then a publishing deal. And I, I don't even know where God's taking me next, but I'm like, okay, you know, you do you. Whatever you do. And it's doors that I never wanted open. I never looked at those things. I never wanted to be a Christian music artist. I, I never wanted to really open my theater. I, I, I didn't, I'm like, I'll do what you tell me to do. And so you have to get that place where it's surrender, that God's trying to challenge you to get on his page, all right? And so I've learned that. And though it's not easy, 
But I've learned, even in the worst times, I will worship him. He is worthy. And he's the one who bring me through that struggle and trial. Trials that challenge us. They challenge us what? To seek God's wisdom. Not ours. What's God trying to teach me? This is one of the, I want you to write this down. One of the best things that you can ever do in the middle of the trial is just stop when all the chaos and everything's falling apart and you're broken and all that mess, right? The best thing you can stop, and I always say this, God, what are you trying to teach me? You know why? Because I don't want to be back here again. And some of you go back through that same trial. It's a different name. A different husband, a different job, a different church, a different this. You're back to the same financial struggle. or what? Because why? You didn't learn. So he says, I have to take you back through this because I'm trying to complete you and you're not getting it. And some of you wonder, why do I always end up? Because you didn't learn the lesson. One of my friends, no lie, I have a couple of friends, and, uh, two friends, and they've been married two or three times. And uh, and, and, and they would marry, but the husband, they, oh, they're a Christian, they got married, they counseling the whole deal, and then the person ended up being an alcoholic or uh, cheated on them. One lady, she, uh, the man she married, was married to another woman in Texas. That's crazy. I mean, just, but they keep making these same mistakes. And so finally, I looked at them and I said, and they, and they really are wonderful ladies, godly women, and the men, you first meet them, you think they're godly men because they deceive these ladies, whatever. They get married, then all this stuff comes out on them. And, and, and I said, you know, you can, you can keep blaming these men because they've been horrible men. But you picked them. Something wrong with your wisdom and discernment. So you see what I mean? So sometimes we got just stop in the middle of the trial and say, what are you trying to teach me? Because I don't want to be back here again. Just let me learn it. So we got it's the tool and the challenge is to seek God's wisdom. What God knows uh, and to put that into practice. Not what we know and what we know about the situation. Well, let me just tell you what I think. And God says, that's great. But you know what? You're off. And you've got to get on the page with me. All right? And he wants us, the trials are, so we'd seek God's wisdom and to ask. He wants us to ask, right? And he wants us to trust him. Uh, oh, a lot of us, we trust in people. We trust in our government. <laughs> okay. I, I know. All right. Anyway. So we trust, in, we trust in our paychecks. We trust in our 401ks. We trust in our retirement. Look at me. I have no retirement. What am I going to do? I just am stupid enough to think that I've served God all my life that he can take care of me. I know that's crazy. I have no 401k. I don't have a 201k or minus 17k. I have nothing. In my, I have no savings. I probably have $100 in my bank account. I, I, if that, I don't even have that. I don't even know. I don't even, I don't know. But God takes care of my needs. And I know it's crazy. It's not smart. You say, Billy, that's just not wise. I live in a nice home. My car runs. All my bills are paid. My credit score is over 800. What do I need? So you think that if I've served God, when I get old, like I tell these people, I take, Scott, I've taken care of you. If you, Meredith, have to bring me in your home and change my diaper, bless God, you better do it. I've done enough for you. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm, getting. I'm going to turn 85 and say, tag, you're it. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, I, I, but I am saying to this, you know, I'm not putting it the government to take care of me. I just really think God will take care of me. I said that to my board. I said, you know, Bill, we're supposed to apologize. We're supposed to have set money back, and we didn't do that. And I said, it's because I never brought it up, and I don't really care. 
God will take care of me. He always has. And, uh, and they look, that's great faith. Is it or is it stupidity or maybe both? I'm not sure. I'm just dumb enough that God's big enough. That's me. I've walked in faith most of my life. But I tell you what, when you, when you, I never grow. I never grow when everything's okay. It's when I'm going through that struggle that me and Jesus get really, really close. And I tell you, I wouldn't trade back the world. And I come out of the trial on the other end thinking, wow. And then, man, you know, when you come through that trial, what's it say? In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, comfort those with the comfort you've been comforted with. God trusts you that when you come out of that, you're going to be able to look at other people and say, I know my God is able. My God is able. Because look what he's done for me. Isn't that amazing? So remember that. The trials challenge us to seek God, to ask him, to trust him, and to know our place. What's it saying, verses 9 through 11? Real quick, 19, I'm sorry. Uh, did I say that right? Yeah. Uh, verses 9 through 11. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner the sun will rise and burn it all away, right? So he says, look, we, we got to be humble. God uses those trials to humble you. Some of you don't like that. You're self-made people. You're self, I, you can brag on, oh, I came through these struggles and trials and look what I have. Look up here at me. It's all gonna burn. It's gonna burn. And all that you've done for God is all that's gonna matter. Some of you got your little 401ks, but you've also got million dollar policies for your kids when you kick a bucket. My kid, when I die, He's going to have enough money to go to Dollywood, maybe. Have fun going down the slipper slide. I don't know what it is. And say, thank you, Daddy. I don't know. I'm leaving nothing for my kids. I told him, you better have a good job. Because there's not going to be anything. My house, everything I got, is probably going to end up in the ministry. I'm just giving it all away for kingdom's work. My kids get saved. That's all I care about. The rest of it. It's all about Jesus. That's all I live for. Look at me. All I live for, look at me, is another day to share that Jesus is the Savior of the world and that he can save lost, broken people. And I will crawl if I have to do it. And I might end up dead broke at the end of my life. But you know what? I'm going to spend everything of my energy, my time, everything that I am because he's worthy because of what he's brought me through. And he is worthy of the praise in the middle of the struggle and of the trial because he's my God. He is my Savior, and he is worth it. And so, you know what? All you self-made people, you're not taking it with you, and your kids are just going to blow it. You better be thinking kingdom's work. You know what I'm saying? And that's all I'm saying about that. All right, let's move on. And no, Scott didn't tell me to say anything, so I, I don't listen to him anyway. And the first part of that scripture says this, count it all joy. Can the musicians come on up here? Count it all joy. Sit down and ask God what it is he's trying to teach you. We all panic at first. That's normal. When you hear those words, you have cancer. You panic. We automatically think we're going to die. Well, I've got a lot of people in my life, testimonies, that's not true. We all panic. We think in human terms. Wouldn't it be awesome to be always just be able to catch a glimpse of what God's doing? 
Lord, let me just see a glimpse of what you're trying to do in this situation. And maybe we should just ask that in the middle of the struggle. The trial is not to perfect us. We look at verse 3. Um, it's, it's, it's to perfect us, rather. It's to complete us. It only comes under pressure. I've never grown, like I said. I've never grown uh, on the mountaintop. That's the times where I get to bask and praise him for the goodness of who he is. On that Sabbath day where I sit back and say, God, it is all good. But the other six days of the week, it's toil. And it's struggle. And it's trial after trial. Personal attacks. Ministry attacks. It's all those things. But may we count it all. Glory. Guess what? Because I know Jesus. And you know what's important? He knows me by name. He knows my name. So if he looks at Satan and says, Consider Billy. I count it an honor. To think that, no, that God would allow me to be his ambassador in that struggle. I know this firsthand. I'll share this and I'll be done. I shared last time about my mom, who I prayed for. I hated it one time, and God changed all that stuff. We're in the hospital. She was diagnosed with cancer. And she had gone through uh, probably 12 weeks of chemotherapy. And she was on her last week. She had only one treatment left. And so I'd sit there every Wednesday with her while she got those drips for eight hours. And then my sister would take her every day for radiation. She had lung cancer. And I can remember she got sick. We took her in the hospital. I shared this probably before, but just listen. Went in the hospital because she got dehydrated from the medications. And they were doing a drip, but the hospitals were so full of just crazy at that time. They kept her out in the hallway for a long time. Then she sat in the emergency room for almost 24 hours. Because they didn't have beds, enough nurses. You know how they do. And she contracted C. diff, which attacks your intestines. And because her resistance was so low, she couldn't fight it. And so the night before she passed away, uh, you know, she, we were, I was in her hospital room, and I was the one that was supposed to stay with her that night. We didn't know she was that sick. He said, well, you know, we'll make some decisions. She'll be able to go home. We'll get this all straightened out, blah, 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 blah. That was that night. And all night, I was going to the bathroom. No, no boy should have to do that, but I helped my mom a lot that night. Let's just put it that way. Thank God he sent a male nurse, so I felt better. And I thank that man a million times over. And I'll go back and say this. My family didn't know Jesus a lot, but even at Thanksgiving at the worst times, when we get to the table, they'd say, Billy, will you turn thanks? And it was my opportunity. Don't think I just didn't pray for the food. I prayed for every one of them. I went through this long prayer. Thank you, Jesus. And I hope that they'll come to know you. I would just use it as a ministry to preach a sermon and, and a prayer. Some of you hate when Scott does that. But we, we pray, and we're praying really over them sincerely. And so I would pray. And my mom, after she got saved, I get these letters, frankly, and she'd say, I love you, praying for you. Love you, praying for you. She'd say, I'm praying for you. She'd call me and we'd talk about things. She'd say, no, I'm praying for you. She'd come to retreats, work, cook. I'm praying for you. You're doing a good job. I'm praying for you. But I never heard my mother pray. Never in all my life. Three years ago when she got sick, that, that night in the hospital, she was in excruciating pain. And I heard my mom pray for the first time. 
She sat up in the bed. She raised her hands to heaven, and she was crying out to God. Dear God, I am suffering, and I am so much pain. Can you please take this from me? And then I was crying. I felt so sorry for her. The nurses were crying. And then she stopped. She said, what am I saying? You suffered and bled and died for me. May you find glory in my weakness. And I couldn't anything but cry. She never complained. One more time. Never. My mom's a drama queen. I mean, oh gosh, she's I mean, always, you don't know what I'm that kind of woman. Never complained. The next day they moved her to intensive care, said, We're just gonna watch her. And then he said, You're gonna have to make some decisions. You can't see this, but her organs are shutting down. Now, my mom, my sister, everybody's gone. I'm there with the doctor. My mom's in the bed. He's saying this in front of her, and he said, you have to make some decision. Probably comfort care would be good for her. I'm like, what are you saying? Go home? What, what do you say? He said, no, your mother's dying. And we can make this easier uh, just by giving her some medications that'll make her relax a little bit. And, and, or whatever, we can just let her go through this. But she's going, in the next few hours, it's gonna start, she's going to be in excruciating pain. My mom sat there. No tears. And I went and sat down beside of her on the bed and I took her hand. And I thought, does she, and she just, I thought, you're clueless. Now she wasn't out of it either. She was very alert. Everything was normal. And I, and I, and she just sat there and I'm like, and I said, I said, I, I want to make sure she understood. I said, mom, you understand what he's saying to you. She grabbed my hand. She patted it. She said, yes, baby. I'm going to go home to see Jesus. My brothers came in, Gerald, he was crying. We're all hugging her, saying what we need to say. And he loved on her, and he was crying. And she wiped his tears. She said, why are you crying? He said, because I'm going to miss you. She said, I'm going to miss you too. But you know what's great? We'll be forever when we get to heaven. We'll be together forever. It's all good. You don't need to cry. If you can praise him in the trials, it's an amazing thing. That's when you know somebody really knows Jesus. When we can lift our hands and give him glory to think that our struggles and our trials, it's not about me, but it's for the world to see the incredible Savior who brings us through every trial, every struggle, because he's making in us what he wants us to be, and he's working at that perfection. It's just that we've got to stop in the middle of it and say, what are you teaching me? Don't let me miss it. Would you stand to your feet with your heads bowed and eyes closed? You are awesome. Thank you for putting up with me. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you, you don't face trials very well. Can I tell you why? Jesus is nowhere near you. The only time you experience the presence of Jesus may be walking in his church around people who love the Lord. Wouldn't it be nice to take him home with you? So in the midst of the, the divorce, the bankruptcy, the cancer, whatever it is that you're going through, that he's like saying, I am right here and I'm not going to go anywhere. Some of you don't know what that's like. You have to call the preacher. You have to call friends. You have to get the prayer chant because you don't know how to get there in the presence of Jesus. 
I would never want to live in this world and face suffering without him. And maybe he seems very distant. Maybe there was a time where you were closer to him. And you're not now because you've been ticked off at him. Say me, I'm mad at God. Because he allowed the struggle. If he loved me, why did he? That's why he allowed it. He loved you. You just didn't get the lesson. God trusted you. Some of you need to come and get things right with Jesus. Some of you may be going through that suffering and I want that. I need to get to that place and just come and he'll say, God, teach me. And you know, it's okay to be weak, brothers and sisters. There have been times where I couldn't even pray for things in my life that I said, can you all come and pray for me? Because I'm just, I remember there's been a couple times in my life I went up to a pastor and, you know, I'm a preacher and I'm at all this and I walk up to my pastor friends and grab them and I said, look, I'm tired. I'm weak. Can you pray for me? And maybe you need that today in your struggle. But don't leave here not knowing him. I'm not saying knowing about him. We all know Jesus is. God, you wouldn't even be in here. Or at least wanting that. But wouldn't it be great to have a personal relationship with him? If the closest you can ever get Jesus is that plastic Jesus on your lawn that lights up at Christmas, that ain't cool. Do you know what it's like to wake up every day and just talk to him? Let him love on you? And to know when you wake up that you're the most important thing to God? Some of you need to restore that. Some of you have never had it. You've gone through baptismal pools. You've said the right words. You've repeated a prayer. Not that that's not good, but listen, that's not going to save you. Either you know Jesus or you don't. Let me ask a question. Does he know you? You know all about Jesus. You know about salvation. But when was the time where you came and you flung your existence at the finished work of the cross and said, I can't fix me. I am lost. And I don't want to fake it for anybody anymore. I need to be saved. And you called on Jesus. I am a wretched sinner. And I need you to save me. Do not walk out of this building being a hypocrite or being faked, fake news and as a Christian. Not the good news. Yeah, I got fake news. You've got the religion of it. You know it all. You come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. And listen, you're going to stand before God. And he goes, I don't even know who you are because you were too proud to get on your face and call on me because you're a wretched lost sinner. And until you admit you're lost, you can never be saved. Never. You've got to come to him broken and lost and call on salvation. Lord, I need you. You died for me. I need your salvation. If you need to do that today, I want you to come forward and give your life to Jesus. Don't you? You may have to walk away from somebody that thinks you've been saved for 40 years. It doesn't matter what they think. It matters what you and God know. And if COVID or anything else in your life has taught you anything else, life is short and unexpected. Don't you ever face from here forward without knowing who God is. You need to come and get right with Jesus. Others of you, you know him. You're far from him. You let that struggle, that trial overcome you. And you're looking at your circumstances and your situations. And you say, God, I need to come and just praise you. I don't know what you're doing. Though you slay me, I am going to worship you. Because you're still worthy. If I don't have anything else and I'm flat broke, I still got my salvation. And nothing, the only hell I'll ever face is what I'm going through right now. I get to come see you. So bring it on because I will keep lifting my hands to the Savior who changed me. And some of you need that kind of faith. And some of you are just, you're believers, but you're just weary. And you want to come and just lay down here and say, God, I need people to pray for me. I'm, you don't need to tell us what it is. Bad news, debt, somebody left you, anger, bitterness, whatever. And let's come and talk to God and say, God, just 
Show me. Give me wisdom. Show me what I need to learn. Father, in the name of Jesus, as they sing a song, I pray you'll just bring people to your side. We can just talk to you. No more fake news. We want the good news. And I pray you'll do what you need to do in this room. Save people. Challenge believers. And Lord, let us even fall broken and say, I'm weak. But Lord, may we give you glory in our weakness. And may we know, Lord, you trust us. You trust us. May we give you glory for it all. In Jesus' name.